in Ephesians 6, we are instructed to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer, entity, in Ephesians 6.18. In 1 Timothy 2, we are abomished and urge that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all mankind. That's in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You see, my friends, prayer is our responsibility. Prayer must be the foundation of every Christian endeavor. And any failure is a prayer failure. We're not to be ignorant concerning God's word. God desires for his people to be successful, to be filled with a full, deep, and clear knowledge of his will, which is his word, and to be to, to bear fruit in every good work. We then bring honor and glory to God in John 15 and verse 8. He desires that we know how to pray, and for, for, for the prayer of the upright is his delight. So we're not without that. Using God's word on, on purpose, specifically in prayer, is one means of prayer, and, and it is the most effective and accurate means. Jesus said the word truth that I have been speaking to you are spirits of, and life, John 6 and 63. When Jesus faced Satan in the wilderness, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. We are to live and be upheld sustained by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Today, today, I want to pray. I want to pray that we understand what's going on, that we have health and healing. I want to pray that we put on the whole armor of God during this time of this COVID-19 and the shield of faith protects me from all the uh, all the fiery darks of the wicked. Jesus is the high priest of, of our confession and we should hold fast to the confession of faith in, in your word. And let us stand immovable, fixed, in full assurance that we have health and healing now in the name of Jesus Christ. We need that. My friends, it is time, it's time that we reach out for one another and rejoice in the Lord. Father, in this day that the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. I want to rejoice in you always, Father. And again, I say, I want to rejoice and I delight myself in you, Lord. Happy and am I because God is my Lord and Savior. In view of all the things that are going on in this world right now, let us have mercy. God, give us that in our hearts, mercy for one another. I make a, dis a, a decisive decision and a dedication of my body, mind, spirit, and soul by presenting myself unto my Heavenly Father as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to you, God, which is my reasonable, rational, intelligent service 
and spiritual worship to my Lord. Let us lift ourselves up today as we put on that full armor of God. And let us pray one another for one another and believe, believe in our hearts. It worked for Israel when we, when in the book of Exodus, when they put that blood, when they put that blood upon the threshold, the angel of death passed by them because they had the blood of the lamb, the sacrificial lamb put upon the threshold and upon the doorjamb. Let us put that same blood of the lamb today over our household in Jesus' name. He is, the, he is the lamb of God. Let us believe that by putting the blood of the lamb around our households, my fellow Christians, and believe that by the blood of the lamb, this plague would pass us, by the angel of death would pass our loved ones by because we have the blood of the lamb surrounding us in Jesus' name. And let us believe that by unity as Christians coming together, let me tell you, I don't care who you voted for, they are not going to unify this country. What's going to unify this country is Christians hitting their knees, according to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. When my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves in prayer and turn from their wicked ways, then, then shall our God hear our cries and heal our land. Let's pray for that. All around the world, if you're in the sound of my voice, pray for that. Claim 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And let us let our Heavenly Father heal our lands. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen and amen. Well, I try to change the music up. Um, I'm learning to play the piano at 71 years old. <laughs> I had uh, promised my mother that I would learn to play the piano before I before I uh, passed away because she played. And I'm learning, um, but I do not have the proper um, microphone or recording to be able to put it from the piano over to over to the uh, recording. So it, it comes out real tinny. So you're stuck with the regular music till I can figure out how to transpose it. It sounded really good, but unfortunately, um, putting it through a microphone, it, it doesn't sound the same. It comes out real. Uh, it, it just sits there and goes, so it didn't sound right. <coughs> Anymore, anyway, welcome to Spiritual Awareness with Pastor Davenport. I'm Pastor Davenport. And uh, we're going to begin a new series. It's a four-part series called Jesus is Better. You know, the world that we live in um, is, is just kind of falling apart. And, uh, you know, I've had, I've had several letters that said, please, Pastor, slow down. So I'm going to slow down. Um, I, I, you'll forgive me. I'm a, I, I'm a spirit-filled uh, minister, and, and when I get filled with the Holy Ghost, I don't think I can slow down. 
um, but I will try my best. And so uh, we're going to we're, we're going to be in Luke chapter seven, verse twenty, Isaiah nine six, and uh, and following. That's the best I can tell you. Uh, Luke chapter seven, verse twenty. Uh, when the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Uh, we understand. We understand that John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Messiah that was yet to come, and Christ, who we know today to be Jesus. And Jesus was the one who Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Glory to God. At our reading in Luke 7 and 20, we find John imprisoned and about to be executed, about to be beheaded. And multiple scriptures of, of uh, prophecy about John that he would be the one who would open the door to the world and introduce Jesus as the Messiah, basically as the Christ. However, in the place of, uh, of imprisonment and probably at the point of despair, he sends two of his followers out on a mission for him. And that mission is to find out if Jesus is the real deal or not. Now, John, <coughs> forgive me, um, we're not in the studio right now. We're back in. Um, as, as if you've listened to some of my previous broadcasts, you would know that I had just received two new puppies. And they like to chew, as all puppies do. And they got a hold of the electrical cords that were ran temporarily out to the recording studios and they chewed them in half. Thank God that they were off at the time and they didn't get electrocuted, but they chewed them all up into little pieces. So temporarily I'm, I'm back where I was recording and if the audio is not perfect, that's why. So anyway, and that brings me back to the cough. Uh, John had been telling the world that Christ was coming. So he sent these two out on a mission to find Jesus and to see if Jesus was the real deal or not. And John had been telling the world that Christ was coming. And he had, he had spent his life and his ministry telling the people who would repent of their sins that there was one coming after him who was greater than himself and who would take away the sins of the world. But at the end of John's life, and behind prison walls, there is this question, was it all worth it? Was it all for naught? All the preaching, all the witnessing, all the life he had spent in service to God, was it worth it? The question John wanted to know, the answer to is simply that, is Jesus better? Is he better than John's baptism? Is he better than the prophets before him? 
Is he better than others that God would send to change this world? Is he better than the angels? Is he better than anything the world has ever seen before? He said, go, he said, and find out if he is the one we have been waiting for or looking for, or should we keep on looking for someone else? Now, you see, this is where so many in this world right now are at. Today, 2020, December 8th, 2020. That's when I'm recording this. Lives need to be changed. People need to be delivered. Relationships need to be mended. Families need to be healed. Souls need to be saved. Glory to God. And they are looking to find out if what we have is real or not. They want to know if this Jesus Christ that we talk about so much here in church is the one that can put their families back together or not. You know, too many times, church, some of these new sugar and spice and everything nice preachers don't preach enough about hell. They've gotten to where they just want to preach enough to fill their, their, their coffers, to, to be able to fill their offering tray. They, they want to preach a feel-good sermon. And that's not what God intended. If he is the one that can deliver them from their habits and, and not destroy their lives. They're out there destroying their lives right now. They're, they're addicted to drugs. They're addicted to alcoholism. They're addicted to pornographic materials. Pornography. But you go ahead and take them to church and, and you, you kind of preach a, a feel-good sermon so they can walk outside and do the same old thing every day and then go back and just say, okay, you're forgiven. But you go ahead and do the same old thing every day. That's wrong. That's sacrilegious. They want to know if what we are saying we have is real or not. Can I just say that's why it's important that at our witness to the world doesn't look like the world's witness. Christ is real. Heaven is real. But then again, hell is real. Let's get that clear. That gnashing of teeth is real. The flames are eternal that burn in hell. They need to see something different in the churches around the world. They need to see something unlike what they already have. If our faith is as helpless and hopeless as the rest of the faith of the world, then what do we really have to offer someone who is in genuine need of God in their life? In Luke chapter 7, verse 20 and 21, when the men were coming to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come? 
or look we for another? And in the same hour, he, he cured many of our infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind, he gave sight. Now, Jesus says in the Bible, it says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What are we missing here? It's interesting to me that when these men showed up wanting to know if he was real deal or not, he was busy healing and delivering and setting people free from the stuff that was destroying their lives. And I wonder sometimes what people who are looking for the real deal find when they come to the church, all the churches, and they see that the door has a sign on it that says closed because of COVID. Since when did God put a closed sign on his house? I wonder if they, if people's lives being healed and people being set free, or do they see a bunch of, of carnality? Because that's carnality when we see a closed sign put on the house of God. Do they find people struggling to get along? <coughs> Do they find people too concerned about their own lives to help the church or someone in need? That's what they see. A sign that says, go home and turn on your TV and we'll preach to you there. I want you to know this is an important question we as a church need to answer to ourselves today. What are the imprisoned going to find when they come to us? A closed house of God? More imprisonment? More of what they already have? Because of what we have is not better than what they already have. They are not going to come to stay too long. Glory to God. They need Jesus. They need the love of God. They need something that they can put their lives back together. They need something that can heal and deliver them glory to God. Give God praise wherever you are right now. Give God praise. Somebody say amen. See, Jesus' ministry was something that the world had never seen before. Of all the promised false Christs and Messiahs, of all the religions that promised so much, nobody was doing what he was doing. He came doing the miraculous. He came doing something that nobody else could do. He came making a difference in a way that others only dreamed about. So my question is still, what are people going to find when they come to the churches? Are they going to find world changers? Are they going to find way makers? Are they going to find people living who are uh, and what they say they are? Are they going to say, say people that are walking the walk and talking the talk? In Luke chapter 7, verse 23, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. See, John the Baptist, his ministry was a ministry of repentance. But Jesus told them in John chapter 10, verse 10, 
John chapter 10, verse 10, write it down so you can go back to it and check my, check my scriptures. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I'm going to read it again. John 10, 10, that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus told them that he was there not only to fulfill the prophecies and, and, and preaching of John the Baptist, but that he had also come to give life more abundantly. Hallelujah. You see, the world promises all kinds of pleasures out there. But Paul said in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, all of Paul's life, all of Paul's life, the ministry was not a time of suffering. But there were times when in order to be a witness and a preacher of the gospel, he had to go through some times of suffering rather than what he called pleasures of sin. You see, all have choices to make in, in our lives when we walk with God. We all do. We can either do everything the world tells us to do, or we can suffer once in a while so that our witness to others is not lost. Now, Paul admitted it. There is pleasure in sin, he said. No doubt there are some things that this flesh would, would rather do than follow after Jesus Christ at times. But as Paul stated, these pleasures are only for a season. In other words, they don't last for very long. They're brief. He said it, may, it feels good for a little while. <clears throat> but then pain comes, the hurt comes, the destroyed relationships come, the destroyed family comes, the withdrawal comes, the destroyed witness comes, and the, pro the, the, the problem isn't always the problem. Excuse me, I had to take a drink. You see, it's very possible that what you are struggling with goes much, much deeper than what you are struggling with. The healing you need isn't the healing you think you need. Some people are struggling with addictions and anger issues right now. Some people are struggling with addiction and anger issues and emotional and spiritual pain. But what they don't realize is that many times it's not the addiction that it's the source of the problem. Many times there is something or a host of things that are causing the destructive addiction. Wounds that have not been healed. Disappointment of life that have not been overcome. Mistakes and sins that have not been forgiven yet. So we cover it all up with the stuff that we think will take care of the problem. In many ways we create our own little religions our own way of dealing with problems. We create our own gods, money, drugs, alcohol, sexual addictions, food addictions, success, popularity, worldliness. Many of these things are not the real problem. 
In fact, moderation, some of these are acceptable and even necessary, but not when they become our crutch. Not when they become the thing that we used to cover our pain with. Not when they become the obsession and a fixation. Because anything you are obsessed with and fixation on is generally the God that you are serving, not the God in heaven. And the question, the question that the people are trying to answer when they come to our church is that, that Jesus, that we worship and talk about better than what they already have. But Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I wonder, are we living that abundant life or is our life what Peter described in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22? But it is happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned into his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mirror. I choose the abundant life of Jesus. Where I came from made me spiritually sick. Where I came from was destroying my soul. Where I came from made my life dirty. I'm not going back. Say that with me. Had to get water. I'm not going back to that. <clears throat> I'm looking for the Jesus that is better than all that stuff that was in my life. I choose the blessed life. I choose living by his commandments and depending on the grace of almighty God. How about you? Let you and I get a hold of something better than the stuff that is that is create, creating so much creating so much trouble in our lives. In John 10, 10 again, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy my life. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. In other words, Jesus promised us that what he had to offer was better. The spirit that he would give someone would be better than any spirit they could find in this world. The promise of eternal life he would give them would be better than what the world could offer them. And as John sits in his prison cell, having spent his life preaching, the one who would come after him, he's waiting for an answer. Is Jesus better? Is Jesus better? And when his disciples return, they, re they re repeat what Jesus told him. Luke chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what these th ye have seen and heard. Now that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised. To the poor, the gospel is preached. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. They tell John, don't you worry about it, John. Don't be offended by Jesus. He is better. He is better than the lies the devil has been telling people. He's better than the sin that has been destroying people's soul. Don't you be ashamed of him, John. He's the real deal, they tell him. 
The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. What you've been preaching and prophesying about has come. What the world has needed is here now. It was all for this reason, John. It was all for a purpose. Your life and ministry was not spent in vain. Jesus is better. Here's what we don't understand. Jesus is better. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The devil tells us all kinds of stuff Stuff would satisfy us. Popularity, money, job, success. He tells us all this stuff is going to make our lives better. But we need to understand this today, my friends. Something today is not better for tomorrow. Only Jesus Christ will satisfy you. What the enemy of our souls pushes as satisfaction and gratification is short-lived and leaves you wounded and destroyed. The psalmist said in Psalms 145.16, Thou openest thy hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And here's why we need to seek after God instead of the stuff of this world. The world will leave you hungry. The world will leave you wanting more. The world will leave you lost. But Jesus Christ is better. Jesus satisfies. He doesn't leave your home destroyed. He doesn't leave your body scarred and bound to drugs and alcohol. He doesn't leave you full of sin or perversion. Jesus is better than all of that. Jesus gives us life and life more abundantly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. How many of us know that Jesus is better? Is there someone, someone listening to the sound of my voice whose life has been changed by Jesus Christ? Glory to God. Anyone who has been delivered by the power of his name, Jesus is better. What you are looking for is here, right now, in right now today. What your family needs is here. What you need to be set free is right here, right now. What you need to be saved and stay saved is here, right now. What this world needs is here, right now. What America needs is here, right now. What you need to find real peace and genuine fulfillment is here right now. We need to go to our churches and take down that sign that says closed to COVID and pray and go find the pastor or the priest or the minister and say, open the doors of God's house because Jesus Christ is here in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory be to the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The first, the last, the Alpha, the Omega. Hallelujah. Jesus is here in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give God glory today in Jesus' name. Well, praise the Lord. That's our first part of our four-part series, If Jesus is Better. I thought I'd give uh, Sister Judy a little a moment of time to maybe give a little testimony, and uh, she wanted to kind of talk for just a second. So uh, I'm going to put uh, Sister Judy Little on. Hello, folks. This is Judy Little from Gospel of Faith Church and the Spiritual Awareness. Um, I would uh, like to give a testimony, one of many, because God has blessed me in so many ways. But in 2017, I got very, very sick and ended up in the hospital. And uh, 
I had a whole bunch of prayer warriors out there, a couple of really good, good prayer warriors, and all my family and friends were praying so hard for me. And so when I went into surgery, I had a, a, just a feeling that I was in the Lord's arms and protected. And when the doctor came out and told my family that uh, he did all that he could do, that he didn't think I was going to survive. And uh, the Lord said, no, I got her. She's going to survive. And I did. And uh, so I, I praise the Lord each and every day. He is so awesome. And uh, so I just wanted to share that with you today and wish you a very merry, merry Christmas and a happy new year. And I hope the Lord blesses you in any way that you need him to bless you. Thank you and good night. Well, glory to God. Thank you, Sister Judy, for that wonderful testimony. Uh, we'll be back uh, as as we go through this series. Like I said, it's a four-part series. And we, I just want to thank you for letting us come into your home each uh, twice each week. Um, you can do us a wonderful favor by just uh, giving a phone call over to your family and let them know that uh, we're on the air and we're... Uh, we're, we're available twice a week. Spread the word. Uh, because right now, with the uh, churches closed, with uh, some of the, the uh, cities going into lockdown because of this COVID-19 pandemic, people need Jesus. They need to hear about Jesus. And uh, I believe that's what's going to save America and around the world. With that, may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you till he brings us back again. God bless you all.